In this week's episode, Chris is starving, but that doesn't stop us from chatting about random pop culture fixtures like Childish Gambino, Mystery Men, and that one Joaquin Phoenix movie about an AI girlfriend. Okay, it's a weird episode, but it's all happening now on Cover B. Hey everybody, welcome back to Cover B. Hello. Oh no, I have to sneeze. Don't sneeze. Don't do it. I don't want to sneeze. Don't sneeze. It makes my eyes itch. Don't do it. Swallow that sneeze. I think I, I think I'm okay. Nice. <sighs> when I was a kid, there was a rumor floating around that if you like among my like fellow kids, that if you had to sneeze and you didn't sneeze, then you were like taking a year off your life. Oh my god. <laughs> You're just not expelling allergens. Yeah. I don't know who started it or why it was a thing we all believed for too long, but... I mean, there were kids in my school that believed that if you ate mushrooms, you were growing fungus in your stomach. Sweet. I mean, kids are dumb. Depending on the <laughs> mushrooms, you might think you're growing fungus <laughs> in your stomach. It's true. Kids are real dumb. Yeah. We, we believe really dumb things. Anyway, you know what's not dumb? What's that? Comics. Hell yeah. Um, look at that segue. My segue powers no no bounds. Um, <laughs> we got some comics to talk about, so we're going to talk about them. Yeah. And you're going to listen, Whoa. whether you like it or not. Okay, don't be rude. We want them to stay. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Except you, Jeffrey. You know who you are. It's fine, Jeffrey. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jeff. He's, he just, he gets like this. Jeffrey. At the subway. Will you start with the first comic, please? There's comics? Yes! <laughs> Whoa! There are comics. I'm being told by the producer that there are comics. Um, and I'm me. supposed to talk to them. I'm I, I talk to the comics? No, about them. I talk about the comics. Yep. You read okay. them. I read them? <laughs> Might be the longest intro we've ever done. The Blue Flame, <laughs> number one, yeah. out of out of Vault Comics. This is written by our homeboy Christopher Cantwell, uh, with art by Adam Gorham. The Blue ha Flame opens with a very familiar uh, style of superhero storytelling. It's a cosmic superhero who's flying through the cosmos and saving the day, and he's known throughout the cosmos. Very Green Lantern esque, except he's kind of just a dude with flame jets on his hands. Um, and then we flash back to Earth. Um, he's summoned into a tribunal in space, and then we flash back to Earth to see the Blue Flame's mild-mannered uh, alter ego and kind of the life he's living as he and his fellow vigilantes prepare for a signing and photo op at a mall or something. Um, and yeah. That's where it picks up, and it's it's very there's layers there that need to be peeled away. But T, what did you think? I thought it was really cool. Yeah, it's got like a weird mystery men kind of vibe. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah, like you always think of the Justice League and the superheroes that have like incredible funding and like mm -hmm. have ridiculous out otherworldly powers and are like gods and stuff like yeah. the avengers are funded by tony stark so they have like a whole damn building and 
Justice League is funded by Batman and they have a whole damn building like on the moon. Like <laughs> there's all this stuff. Yeah. But then like what happens if all of your superheroes like what if everybody was Clark Kent? Clark Kent came from humble beginnings and you know, he's a reporter. Like journalists don't make that much. <laughs> yeah, true. Especially not the ones that aren't great like Lois. <laughs> Yeah. So, like, if you have a whole team of like, we make forty k a year. You you don't have a building. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Yes. Something is very off in this book, and I'm excited to kind of uncover what that offness is. And the first hint to that offness is like a glaring hint that if you read a lot of superhero stuff, particularly like the indie superhero stuff, where they're like here's a team of people and we have to make you understand what these people can do right now so that you can read and be like, Oh, that's the fast one. They do fast things. Um, every time in these books, when you're introduced to a group of people, it'll be like the, 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 the bolt, the fast person and cyber Nancy cyborg from the future and like shit like that. Yeah. Like they always, you have like this big open, like, Here's the group. And then it's like, this is this person's name, and this is their powers, and this is this person's name, and this is their powers. Artemides possessed by the power of a Greek god. Yeah, like, like that kind of stuff. stuff. Um, this did not have that. It was nope. like, here's a group of schlubs in a hotel room. And that was Ordering it. Ordering pizza. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just very humble and very, very low-key, and it was a very odd juxtaposition from the opening, which was him flying through space and discovering a new planet and yeah. getting called into a tribunal for his sins or whatever. Yeah. And uh, there's a disconnect there that I believe is going to be the real story of the blue flame. I think the the opening bits and the covers and the flying through space and being a unstoppable flame spurting hero is only a portion of the story. I think the real story is what lies in between those two different versions. And yeah. it's that's a really creative superhero story. That's It's really cool. Cantwell is doing a really cool thing here, and I'm excited to see how this plays out. It's, yeah. I mean, we've talked a lot about independent superhero stuff that's coming out, and what we always point out is the ones that stand out to us are the ones that are trying to do something unique and some sort of like interesting telling of superheroes as a whole and, you know, breaking down the concepts and ideologies around superheroes and like how would superheroes function in the real world and stuff. And uh, I think this is definitely going to be a talking piece for, for future readers. This one felt in terms of the juxtaposition, it read to me similarly to the way that Strange Adventures reads. Yeah. Where there's the mythos mm -hmm. and the story and the grandeur juxtaposed with the reality. Yeah. And it's like very stark and kind yeah. of jarring and yeah. impactful. And I love that. Yeah. Uh, Strange Adventures is a great parallel to make. It, it plays out very much like how that book is playing out, but it's, it's its own unique story and the very characters are very relatable. And that's, that's one thing that I love about Cantwell. I think he can do, he does dialogue between characters 
very, very well. Incredibly well. And he's yeah. really good at ex establishing the dynamics between characters through dialogue very, very, like, very quickly and yeah. seamlessly. Yeah. He doesn't have to have a lot of exposition of, like, oh, you know, can we talk about the baby or anything like that? Right. You know what I mean? Like, oh, are those two still talking? You know, like, there's elements of that as, but it, it, in in this book, there's elements of that between two characters, but it just feels kind of like natural, like friends making fun it's like of friends. Normal people and, talking. Yeah, and you know, it uh, he does a really good job just establishing character notes in dialogue. So like at one point they're like, "So and so's drunk again," you know, and yeah. it's like it's just like a passing. No one's mad about it. It's not like a big narrative thing, but it does establish like it gives us context for his character. Yes. So going forward, we have that note in our yep. brains and it's done just seamlessly through dialogue. Yeah. There's not a lot of like exposition boxes of like Derek and Judy used to date or any like dumb shit like that. Like it's just like, here you go. Like Here's how people live and here's how people yeah, talk yeah, it's, and interact. It's very seamless and Cantwell is a very good writer at doing that. Like yeah. that's that's one of the things that I've read, you know, by him is is... Like that's that's his forte. Forte, yeah, I guess is yeah. a good word. Is is that something he's very very good at? Is just seamlessly introducing these narrative and character plot uh, points. Yeah, so. I agree. My brain's forgetting words today. <laughs> um, it's a good thing we're running a podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> good thing I don't have to talk a lot. Um, I haven't eaten much today. Uh, that's not true. I had a very big breakfast. And I haven't eaten since then. So I guess that's... It was an early breakfast. It was pretty early, yeah. yeah. Um, next up, my breakfast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, Made in Korea, number one. Uh, this is out of Image Comics. This is written by Jeremy Holt uh, with art by George Shaw. Uh, this is a cool book. It's about, effectively, a world where it hasn't fully been established yet, but something is causing birth rates and fertility in humans to go down people ain't having kids no more and in the wake of people ain't having kids surprise surprise companies have risen up to monopolize on that by producing things called proxies and these proxies are i think they're called proxies these proxies are effectively android children that people can buy for ridiculous gobs of cash something to the tune of like eight hundred thousand dollars or something um and they show up and they act like a kid and you put them into routines and you let them play and you let them go to bed and you feed them and all this junk um, so that you can feel like you have a kid if you don't have a kid. It's a people Tamagotchi. Yep. Uh, <laughs> we are following a couple that at first are kind of wishy-washy on the idea. Uh, they don't think they can afford it necessarily. Uh, then they go visit their friends who are a bit more affluent and a bit, you know, easily afforded one. Um, and they decide to purchase one. They find one for cheap. Um, and when they get her, she is more than potentially what they bargained for. Parallel to this is the story of a man discovering some sort of uh, complex algorithm and solving some sort of complex coding thing um and then in order to protect his work he has to find a way to hide it since he did all the work on the company's computer 
uh, this man out of Korea. Uh, he has to hide it in some way. And those stories are interwoven to create what the the overall situation is going to be here. T, what did you think? I thought this was really cool. I know I say that a lot, but it's true. We don't talk about these books if they're not good. Um, it's, true. <laughs> it's It's what our whole thing is. Um, anyway, I liked this one a lot. Um, it's not an unfamiliar story. Uh, some sort of scenario where people can't get what they normally would be able to get naturally. Mm-hmm. They get it through technology and it's weird. And that's, that's, there's so many of these. I mean, a lot of the time I feel like recently there's been a lot of movies that are around like dating that are similar to this. Yeah. Like the one with Joaquin Phoenix that he like her. Yeah. Like that one. And like similar scenarios. There's, there's other ones where like you get an Android or something and there's like a lot of romance based ones. There's not as many that are focused on kids. So I think the kids. And then there's that, um, there was a show. It's like a sci-fi epic. Uh, I love New York. Oh yeah. From uh the indie film conglomerate VH1. I was like, where is he what is he talking? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was a it was a uh, modernized reboot of Flavor of Love, an uh, older series. Oh yeah. Uh, I where they replaced the main protagonist with a female. I I barely um, remember that. I you know it's it's been a long time. That's that's classic TV right there. Yeah, classic. Shout out to VH1 dating shows. They're amazing. Except you didn't mention the best one. Which Rock, is of, Rock love. of Love. Yeah. Which was superior. Oh yeah. It was the best. Stuff was good. Anyway, that's not what we're talking. About. <laughs> <laughs> Made in Korea though. Yes. So. I just liked the twist on this that I feel like this is a type of story we've seen a lot, particularly in a romance angle. And mm. now we're seeing it in a more, you know, in a in a paternal type of environment. And I think that's really neat because I think a lot can be done in a more platonic environment. Yeah. One that's more familiar, familial, one that's less like, I love you no matter what. Like we're romance and it's great. It's more like, I love you because you're the only chance of having a child I'll ever have. Yeah. It's, a, it's a different kind of love and a different kind of, um, I feel like it puts less onus on the artificial intelligence to be perfect. Yeah. Um, because like in a romantic situation, you'd think that like if the AI was not understanding how humans love. And then the other person's like, I can't be with you. You don't get it. It's on the onus of the AI to adapt and become more human. But in this scenario, the AI doesn't have to become more human because they want to love this, this yeah. child. You know yeah. what I mean? So I feel like that adds a really interesting dynamic yeah. that hasn't really necessarily been explored a lot in media. And I think that's cool. I think that's a different, a very different take. I agree. Yeah, I, I, this book was sweeter than I expected it to be. True. Like I, I had a lot more like, ah, kind of <laughs> moments. Uh, it's a cute book, and it's it's really endearing, and I'm I'm liking what I've seen of the journey of this family so far, and you know you can kind of see where things are going, even probably from my description of the plot early on. You can kind of see where things are going, and I found myself you know, 
predicting the story to go the way they often go. Like, mm-hmm. oh, these they're gonna get a rogue AI who's like too smart for them, or like is too violent, or something like that. What they end up getting is the chance to actually be parents when they expected to have basically this perfect robotic child that Does. isn't really gonna be a child. It's not gonna make mistakes. It's not going to make them work it's just gonna be like billy come here now sit billy now oh don't you look pretty billy wouldn't you rather wear the sailor outfit billy you know more like a pet like a yeah it's, you know it's, rather than it's like a, a tamagotchi yeah you know yeah, it's without the difficulties because yeah. you don't have to feed it or anything yeah um tamagotchis are hard that's hard mode gaming just saying shout out to my poor dad who one summer i had a tamagotchi and he worked at a golf course and I had to go to Latchkey and we weren't allowed to bring our Tamagotchis to Latchkey. So I mm-hmm. made my dad take my Tamagotchi every day with him <laughs> to work at the golf course and take care of and keep alive my Tamagotchi just so that when school started, I stopped caring yeah. and it died or whatever. I can just imagine your dad being like, hey, I'm stepping out for a smoke. And then he like steps out and he looks around and he just pulls this little pink egg out of his pocket and is like, my daughter. What's funny is that he does. You need water again? Oh. He does smoke. So he very likely was on his smoke break, like cigarette in one hand, Tamagotchi in the other, just like. Just pounding <sighs> the feed button. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Shout out to dad and his due yeah. diligence. So, yeah, it's it's like they that's what they were expecting to get is some sort of cyber proxy, some sort of like this is going to fill the hole that a kid could bring you. But right. not really. It's not going to feel like an organic you child won't feel challenged the way you um, would with a real kid. And what they end up getting is the chance to prove themselves as parents. And they do an incredible job. Like the the mom right off the bat, right off the cuff, is already compassionate and like empathetic. Empathetic. And, yeah. Um the you know, the dad kind of comes in and is just right there. They love this kid and they're treating it well. And it's just very sweet. It was cool. This is going to be a very sweet book, and I think it's gonna have a lot of kind of exploring what it means to be a parent sort of, you know, work. And, you know, that's cool. I like that. My too. my only real issue with this book is that it has the most impractical bookshelf ever conceived <laughs> by man. And it, I stared at the first panel with the bookshelf in it and I was like, none of this makes sense. I need to see someone interact with this for it to make sense for me because there's contraptions here that don't make sense. Or the physics of it don't make sense. She ain't getting those books out. Those books are for show. Anyway. Those books um, are cardboard. When you read it, when you read it, hit me up on Facebook and Twitter and let me know what you thought of the bookshelf. And, uh, you know, uh, Jeremy Holt, if you're out there, uh, listening to this. Uh, George Shaw, also, if you're, I guess I should, I, I guess I should come for you, George. Um... If you're out there listening to this, the F, man. <laughs> Maybe we'll share a picture of it on Instagram. Yeah. F is that bookshelf. <laughs> I love it. I love the concept of the room it's in. It's super cool. How I get the books out? We need to... Maybe there's a contraption like that at Ikea we yeah. can check out. <laughs> when I need to... 
when I need to read my daily affirmation page out of the secret, how am I supposed to get it out of that bookshelf? <laughs> I don't know, George, what you got? <laughs> Let me know. You're some sort of bookshelf wizard, potentially. <laughs> and maybe you've created the greatest thing mankind has ever seen. But oh. I don't know, George. <laughs> I got to tell you, George, I'm worried. <laughs> worried about that girl's literacy. We found her reading one book and we, we were meant to believe that she read all those books. I think she just read one, George. <laughs> I think she spent all night just kicking the walls until a book fell out and she was like, what's this? Left behind? Good enough. Oh, no. <laughs> and we hope we can hope not. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Finally. Mr. Miracle, the source of freedom, number one. This is written by Brandon Easton uh, with art by Fico Osseo. Uh, this is a new Mr. Miracle story with a new Mr. Miracle. Uh, this is not your typical Scott Free. Uh, so this is not the same Mr. Miracle from uh, the Tom King, uh, Mitch Gerard's Mr. Miracle run that was so hugely popular. This is focused on Shiloh Norman. Uh, he is a black man who was the protege of Scott Free back in the day. It may have been Thaddeus. I think Thaddeus was another Mr. Miracle. Thaddeus Brown. Mm -hmm. He may have been the protege. He was a protege of a Mr. Miracle. Get off me. I believe it was Thaddeus Brown. There's a lot of history in comics. I'm not an expert. You shouldn't <laughs> be listening to this. Why are you still here? Anyway, Please thank you for away the listeners. thank you for staying. Uh, yeah, so this book comes out of DC Comics, the same people that bring us Spawn and Spider-Man. Um, You're killing me. <laughs> just, our, how many, our clout how many listeners? has just, yeah. like, tanked, and they're like, okay, he's absolutely how lost many, his mind. How many listeners out. can I get rid of in one short amount of time? Uh, don't believe that. I know, I know what characters come out of DC, okay? I'm, I'm fully aware. Which one? Is that the bat one? <laughs> Okay, cool. Uh, yes, Bat Guy and Superman's um, Mr. Miracle. So this is Shiloh Norman. Uh, we follow Shiloh Norman as he's kind of just living his life, doing his thing, doing his. So for those who don't know, Mr. Miracle's whole thing is that he's a master escape artist. Uh, the Mr. Miracle that's most known is named Scott Free. Uh, that name was given to him kind of as a joke from his uh, adoptive parent on uh, a horrible, horrible world apocalypse. Yep. And um, yeah, he is an escape artist. He was raised on apocalypse and learned how to escape stuff good. Uh, he's actually technically a new god. He was ex There was an exchange between the people of apocalypse and the new gods of kids. Uh, and he was the kid that got traded. Uh, he drew the short straw, I guess. Yeah, um, for real. Very and so short. he learned how to escape good, and that's his thing. And if you haven't read the Tom King uh, miniseries, go read it. It's very good. Uh, this one is shaping up to also be cool. Lots of racial undertones. This seems like a more cultural look. It's not the same tone as the Tom King series. Uh, it's less of an introspective of the character himself and more of an 
an outrospective? Is that even a word? Anyway, I'm saying it. It's an outrospective. <laughs> Deal with it, English nerds. Um, of which I am one. Anyway, outrospective of being a hero and also being a black man. Uh, there's a lot of conversation about that. There's also going to delve a bit into the overall, I guess, future of uh, the Mr. Miracle brand and Mr. Miracle's ongoing history. We've seen this character already. Uh, I don't know if he's been Mr. Miracle before. I honestly don't know if he's been Mr. Miracle before in the comics before Future State. And then in some of the Future State stuff, the Superman book, uh, we saw him pop up and do his thing. We saw him kind of as an active hero. Um, here we're seeing, I'm guessing this takes place before the stuff from Future State. We're seeing him kind of get into the swing of having a brand. He's got an agent. He's really loving the celebrity of it. Uh, but he's very protective of his secret identity. Honestly, because he's worried that if the world finds out he's a black man, he'll lose uh, respect or he'll lose clout or he'll lose himself even. Um, amongst all this, someone is claiming that he stole the Mr. Miracle name. He is not the rightful owner of it. Um, and he's having to deal with that happening while doing things like trying to date people and not randomly be a dick to them. <laughs> and, you know, come up with his next way to stay relevant on social media and stuff like that. So, see what you think. Um, I thought it was a really interesting take. Um, I think there's a lot of potential in the depiction of an imperfect man hiding for completely valid reasons but just because you know he has these societal restrictions and these fears and he he does this stuff it doesn't make him like a perfect person like sometimes you get these scenarios where you have a character and like they're always depicted as just like inherently perfectly good yeah and you know even though if they were to out themselves it's it's purely on society it's it's purely like if they see him poorly, it's it's all judgment. But, like, he's got some issues. Like, he's got an attitude. He doesn't handle a date very well. It's not great. Like, he is all about the brand. And, like, you know, he's, he's flawed. And I think yeah. that's nice. I feel like that brings depth to a character because everybody's flawed. Like, I think it's more interesting when you give more realistic characters in realistic situations. Now, all that being said, I will admit I'm a huge nerd. And I was like, this book is fine until the last page. And then I was like, hell yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, fair. Yeah, like yeah. The la for for like the really weird minimalist back end DC nerds, last page is all for you kids. <laughs> and yeah. it's awesome. <laughs> I think um, I think Brandon Easton does a really cool job in this at really hammering home how Shiloh and Mr. Miracle are two different people. Yes. You can tell in different situations that he feels a lot different in the mask than he does out of the mask. Yes. Um, I think there's a lot of potential for some good kind of societal conversation to have around this book. Agreed. I don't know if it was delivered or handled well in the first issue. I think it was presented and it, then it just kind of kept being presented 
Right. There was never really any sort of like evolution of the thought. There wasn't much extrapolation. Yeah, That's there were. True. I, I, there was my, and this might be nitpicky, but there was a moment where I was like, okay, we're presenting this concept again. And when you're developing a concept, when you're developing a concept with a narrative, you kind of have to let it evolve and you have right. to organize it so that you can get to a point where you're like suggesting resolutions or you're showing how it changes or you're or like building conflict building conflict around it and stuff like that and i feel like there were two big moments in this book where the concept was just being presented again it was like we saw a powerpoint about like this is what i'm going to talk about and then he was like, now, if you'll follow me, I have another PowerPoint. This is what I'm going to be talking about. Yeah, it, and, was, it was like the same information approach twice yeah. without any real difference. In the and I'm here for it. Presented. I'm here for the conversation. I'm here for uh, the concept that's being presented, namely, you know, the idea of a black man who is a celebrity struggling with his sense of identity and all that. And it's a conversation that exists all over the place if you go looking for it. I yeah. mean... Uh, just as a quick example, Childish Gambino released This Is America a couple years ago, a few years ago. The music video and the song itself are very much about that concept of the difficulties that black celebrities have owning their identity and owning their creativity and owning themselves. Yeah. Um, and how, you know, meme dances are like a, a dance becomes a meme. And, you know, you look at... Uh, the slang of generation Z look at zoomer slang and a lot of it's, you know, taken out of black culture and hip hop culture. Um, and then it's, you know, attributed to generation Z instead of, you know, like there was a big drama with that SNL sketch recently. Right. right. And so, you know, it's definitely a conversation that is worth having and it's definitely a conversation that needs to evolve. I just kind of thought it was weird. The presentation of it. I agree. It was I like, here it that. is, here it is again. And it's like, okay, cool like we're, we're here for the conversation but we should probably it didn't, start the conversation it didn't feel very yeah <laughs> it didn't feel very developed i guess is what i'm saying yeah but that said i think the conversation itself and its whole potential in surrounding shiloh and like i said with brandon easton's ability to really make them feel like two different characters but the same character yeah he did really good with developing that character like that it was really cool you know him on the date being a different person and like just diving into all this Mr. Miracle stuff and his date being like, okay, but I don't know who the F you are, yeah, you know? And his interactions with his manager being different than how he interacts with like TV show hosts or out in the streets and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I think this is a potentially really cool character and I'm excited to find out more about him and kind of see his interactions with the world and see what decisions he makes about his identity, I think. There's a lot of cool stuff that could happen with this, so I think it's a good book to pick up. Me too. Again, I want to reiterate, if you're going in expecting a sort of sequel to the Tom King series, it's not. which was a very dark, kind of gritty, introspective look, like I said, um, this is not that. No, this has more of a... This is actually a relatively traditional feeling comic. It's fairly, yeah, it's, it's a fairly very, traditional. It's, yeah, it's, kind of it's traditional a traditional vibe. feeling DC comic in particular. Like, it, it very much yeah. plays out like a, a, a very standard DC yeah. title. And, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and admit, I was never really that into Mr. Miracle. Um, it's never really been a character that I've been like, woo, cool. Uh, but this one's neat. Yeah. I'm... I'm I'm pumped for this one. I think it's going to be good as it develops. Me too. I think it's got a lot of potential. 
And that's gonna do it for us. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. I can go eat. Well, in a second. Oh. If you want more Cover B, you can find us on our website, coverbpodcast.com, for past episodes and bonus episodes like our real extras and graphic novelties and powered gamings. We've had all of which recently. If you'd like to offer uh, ordering a pizza for me through delivery, you can DM me on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're on TikTok. Who knows? Soon we'll be on LinkedIn. Or we'll have a, a GeoCities page. Oh, go get us on Clubhouse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep, that's right. You can find us on Club Penguin. Um, <laughs> yeah, hit us up in all of those places. And I like uh, large cheese pizzas, if you want to do that for me. Please don't look. I politely request that we don't have random pizzas showing up at our house at like 9.30 in the morning. I he won't be able to eat them all. I can't have dairy or gluten. It won't go well. Uh, but thank you for your consideration. Yes. Uh, we will be back at you guys with more stuff. We took a little bit of a sabbatical because last week was just kind of meh. Yeah. Um, meh. And hopefully we'll have more special episodes coming your way. And until, but until then, uh, we will catch you back here for the next episode of, of Cover B. B. Bye, everybody. Have a good weekend. Now let's go get you some food. Yeah.